Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Yes. Welcome in. It's Munganass. Balloon party here on 101 ESPN. Timothy Michael McKernan Action Jackson with you on the program. Munganass St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota sponsor the program. And Jackson, uh, we welcome the people to get involved in the uh, Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. Save it in your phone and text in throughout the course of the show. And of course, use the 101 ESPN app to leave a mic drop for Balloon Party Jackson. Good morning. I'm asking how you're doing as if we didn't just do three hours beforehand. Yeah, I can I can play along. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing absolutely outstanding. What a weekend it was, and the weather is nice. It's it's getting closer to to the springtime. I mean, it's a great time to be alive right now and be a St. Louis sports fan. Oh my gosh! Yep, yep, wow. Yep. Would you have felt the same way if Ole Miss would have upset Missouri on Saturday? No, I would have called in sick. You would have you would have taken the day. Uh yeah, I'd still be recovering because that would have been just the ultimate door was open and you fell flat on your face. But alas, Missouri was victorious and now the double bye in the SEC tournament. But listen, we're now we're, we're, we're talking about maybe the fifth story first, and that's not how you do it. It's inverted pyramid style. That's University of Missouri journalism school talk right there. And I only have eight credit hours left, so I talk about it like I graduated, even though I didn't. The lead is the dogs. I have so much that I could do a full hour on the doggies, uh, but uh, Jeremy Rutherford will be with us at 1045. So I'll open this up to uh, the listeners here on 101 ESPN. Just number one, it's as vague as can be your overall reaction to what you saw Saturday. Were you in attendance? Did you watch it on television? Did you listen? Uh, Did you not even pay attention? Um, And if you, of course, would fall into the category of the first two and you were either in attendance to see it or watched on television, uh, what did you think of it? I was saying this on TMA. I can't recall more than a handful. And honestly, I'm only giving myself more than a handful, Jackson, just to uh, give myself some room because perhaps I'm forgetting a regular season game. But a regular season game in St. Louis sports that had that kind of a regular season game. I want to emphasize that. I recognize Stanley Cup playoffs and Cardinal playoff games and Rams playoff games. I recognize all that. That had that kind of atmosphere, that intensity from not only outside the building with the anticipation throughout the course of the day, throughout the entire game, and then going into the early hours of Sunday morning. Uh, people standing the entire time, the chants, the drums, the play on the field, everything. I had high expectations for it, and it superseded those expectations. I cannot be any higher on what I saw on Saturday night with uh, St. Louis City SC. Your thoughts, Jeff? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, true. You could feel the energy in the city throughout the entire day. I mean, if you saw the scenes outside the uh, stadium before the game, 
eight hours before the game, packed, people going crazy, enjoying it, enjoying the warm weather. Then during the game, it was just like, it was nonstop for the entire 90 minutes. People fired up, jumping around. And on top of it, the dogs played incredible. And I, I have a feeling that this is something that is going to be a, a staple in everybody's sports watching schedule every single week. I think people are going to look forward to watching the dogs every single week. I think people who don't necessarily, you know, ride with you know maybe baseball or hockey are getting into it on top of people who love baseball and hockey i think it's bringing the city together i think it's outstanding for the entire city of st louis that the dogs are here the first home game exceeded all expectations so i think one of the things that the battle hawks in 2020 tapped into and i think you will see it again when they open up the home portion of their schedule this weekend is the game became an event and people were going to the games and granted it was a super small sample size because of what wound up happening with COVID. But people I think were going to the games, not necessarily because of the battle Hawks or the XFL, but they were going to the games because the game was an event and not one of those events where it's like some socialite crap where people are there to be seen and use their hands on each other. (laughs) Not that kind of thing. I'm talking about they wanted to experience it. For example, something that I can tie it into 15 years ago, Missouri played Kansas and I was there for to be number one in the country in college football, which will absolutely never happen again. I think somebody has a better chance of breaking Cal Ripken's Ironman streak than Missouri and Kansas playing to be number one in college football again. Um, but I, I went to the game at Arrowhead Stadium, not just because I cared about the game, but really more so because of the atmosphere, the event, the energy I expected in what is uh, a first class football stadium in Arrowhead Stadium. And so what I think you, you had with the Battle Hawks is people were going and I think people will go again this coming Sunday with 35,000 plus people. Uh, because they wanted to be part of the experience, the energy, the atmosphere. And I think what happened on Saturday, whether you were there and you want to experience it again, or you were watching it on television, you'll want to be a part of it the next time they play at home. They're in Portland this weekend, but then when they're back at home. And that is something that from a regular season standpoint, I don't think we've had a whole lot of in St. Louis. Now, when you have 81 home games in baseball and 41 home games in the NHL, uh, and you had the clown show Major League Rachel Phelps rigged game with the Rams for the final seven seasons here in St. Louis, it's a totally different set of circumstances. So we need to properly contextualize that because when it comes to Cardinal playoff baseball or Blues playoff hockey, you get an idea of the kind of atmosphere St. Louis can provide. I would I would point out. Uh, what the Battle Hawks did in 2020, the PGA Championship in 2018. But with all of that said, for a regular season game, and granted it's an outlier because it's the first ever home game for a franchise, to have that kind of atmosphere, that kind of energy where people stood the entire time, I just can't recall too much like it. The thing that I was thinking of, Jackson, and uh-huh. I know this predates you, is is when the Rams moved here and they had their first home couple, first couple home games. I think it was their first three home games at Bush Stadium too, mm-hmm. uh, because the dome was not uh, ready. Right. Uh, so they played at Bush Stadium too, and that atmosphere was ridiculous. But this on Saturday, and it translated on television. It, it looked like nobody sat the entire time, and uh, I would imagine probably ninety plus people in the building couldn't name five players on the dogs, but they were just fired up for the franchise and that energy 
that was contagious. And I think the, the supporters groups deserve a lot of credit for it because they carry that energy on throughout the game. Uh, and it was it was phenomenal to watch on television. I bet it was even better to be there in person. Any other regular season games stand out to you uh, in, in your life as a St. Louis sports fan that, that compared to Saturday night? No, I'm trying. Like I'm, I'm thinking maybe like the 07 opening day, but even that doesn't compare to like the energy. You're about for the Cardinals? Yeah, for the Cardinals. Apologies. Uh, 07 opening day following. Yeah, the- that was a Sunday night game, and unfortunately, Chris Carpenter got hurt in that game. His memory yeah. serves, and the season began to spiral right then and there. Yeah, 2012 opening day following the World Series, but outside of that, I can't think of much that would even come close. I mean, the Rams in the last 15 or so years of their existence weren't much at all. Uh, regular season wise and you know I, I blues maybe but I'm kind of that's not necessarily in my purview so I don't want to comment on it uh, it was certainly in my life that Nixon Celtics double overtime game last night uh, if you want to compare and contrast that right I mean also a lot of energy electric atmosphere but not I mean truly nothing like it because it's you know it's 90 minutes but 45 minutes straight action there's no timeouts there's no commercial breaks you're they're going and people are up dancing around uh, it's just, uh, the the scenes were beautiful. The shots from overhead were super awesome. The flags they brought down the supporters section. I mean, that's something you just can't like create. That's what soccer does. It creates that kind of energy. So I think it's kind of unique in that sense. Uh, Tim, I th- I'm pretty sure the majority of the fans at the soccer game were just there to chant, "Defense, doggies, defense. Defense, defense doggies, defense. defense. Yeah. Defense, doggies, defense. Good call. It's a good call. Yeah, I think it's that was such probably a great it. Chant. Yeah. Um, yeah, people are, uh, somebody said McGuire 62. Yeah. The anticipation for that. That's a nice play. I mean, if, if Albert Pujols 700th would have happened at Bush stadium, right. yeah. um, certainly that would be the case. I mean, every Pujols at bat toward the end. I mean, I told the story here on the show about my taking my son with my wife to his first Cardinal game and pools at a grand slam on that. I think it was a Thursday afternoon against the Rockies. And it's not like he was even close to 700 at that time, but it was starting to build up to it. So every at bat had that kind of uh, expectation, but I'm talking about, I mean, this is, this is, you know, 90 plus minutes of soccer in which the entire building was standing. And I keep going back to the standing thing. And I, I don't want to overplay it, but one of the things that was attached to, in particular, the Rams, even when they were good, and I realize we're going back now 15-ish years, uh, is that when fans would stand up, and we're talking about it an effing NFL game, which, you know, it, it should kind of go without saying that you should be able to stand up and cheer at an NFL game, that there would be this knitting club in the lower bowl. And when I say knitting club, I mean there were literally people who would knit sweaters in the lower bowl at the dome uh, who would call ushers over to have people sit down as if they were watching the game while they're knitting sweaters. And a friend of mine who produced TMA from 2004 through 2013, uh, TMA listeners would know him as producer Joe, at Prod Joe on Twitter, was tweeting out on Saturday Night Jackson how he had uh, people behind him and he and his friends were standing uh, passive aggressively. So they didn't ask them to sit down, but they were saying, man, it'd be nice if these guys would sit down, which is, you know, 2023, no confrontation and asking politely, but rather doing it passive aggressively. It's essentially social media right there in real life playing out. And then 
got so frustrated that they called the usher over and the usher then told the guys who were complaining about producer Joe and his friend standing that they have a right to stand. Absolutely. And I loved that because it is the complete opposite of the way things have been in St. Louis sports uh, for a long time. And I think that is ridiculous. If people want to stand because they're into a game, they shouldn't be worried from my standpoint. I know some people disagree with it. Totally cool that they're going to get scolded and then shamed when an usher comes over and tells them to sit down. And what that does is it creates an atmosphere and it creates an energy. I think if people were just sitting around watching people play soccer, I don't think you would have near the enthusiasm for the next time they play a game. And if you had a casual atmosphere around the building, like you did with Rams games, because in part, the setup did not allow itself to be great for tailgating in comparison to, say, an arrowhead. But most NFL stadiums and college football stadiums allow for a game day experience. You had a game day experience in downtown St. Louis that started in the morning. I was texting with uh, Eddie McVeigh, owner of Maggie O'Brien's, and he said it was one of the best days as far as attendance goes in the history of Maggie O'Brien's in downtown St. Louis. And it has been there a long time, uh, 40 years that tells you, and I understand there was a two, three-hour wait to get in there. It tells you the kind of enthusiasm, the anticipation for it. And because it was so successful, I think you're going to have more and more people who weren't there this past Saturday want to be there yep. uh, when they play at home again. Yeah, totally agree. I think that, that the atmosphere there it just wants to bring people downtown, wants to bring people around the stadium, even if they can't get into the game. Just being there within that energy, it's something that, you know, in St. Louis, we don't necessarily have that in spades. Like we have, you know, good sports to follow, but this is like a new kind of atmosphere. And I think people are really, really embracing it. And I love to see it. Uh, Tim, I was at uh, game one of the 2011 World Series, and the people behind me complained about me standing in the first inning. And then the usher came over and threatened to kick me out of the stadium. That is from the 206. Wow. Yeah, and kicked out of a World Series game. Jeez. Uh, let's see. Went to a Cardinal game in Milwaukee, and some old ladies were asking me and my brothers to sit down for the final out. We stayed standing. That is from the 314. Uh, that did not happen at Bush Stadium for the Rams games. That's from the three one four. I guess that text is in reference to uh, those first. I think it, I think they played the Bears, Saints, and then 49ers when Ken Norton beat up on the uh, goalpost uh, at, at Bush Stadium before they moved and they played their first game at the Dome against the Panthers. So perhaps that is uh, what this gentleman is making reference to. Former season ticket holder here in Section 420, I had security called from standing and cheering at a Rams game. Like we had a ton of reasons to stand. L-M-A-O. That is from the 314. If I pay my hard-earned money to go watch a game, I'm going to stand up as I damn well please. If there's a knitting nanny sitting behind me, they can enjoy the view of my ass or stand up too. That's from wow. 618. The standards, are, the standards are uniting here. Good, good. Is, I mean, I, I think that contributes to an... And listen, I'm not saying... I want to make this clear. I'm not saying everybody stand at games. Do what you want. You know what? You know what I am, Jackson. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm a lot of things, but the one thing <laughs> that I am, I'm pro liberty. Yes, I'm pro liberty. Yep. And I and if if somebody wants to stand, then stand. Now, now one might say, well, then if somebody's standing in front of me and I'm sitting down, or if you may have a height problem, which I can relate to, mm. I understand. Then probably best case scenario to just not spend the money and go to the game because I think people should have the right to stand if they're enthused about a game. And they sure as hell 
shouldn't have this, what I consider to be a St. Louis tradition, because I don't think it happens in most markets. I mean, imagine pulling this off in New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Baltimore, uh, and, and where an usher comes over and threatens to kick you out. So I love that an usher did come over and said, well, they have the right to stand. Absolutely. And that entire building was standing. And what that does is it creates a hell of an atmosphere. And now the standard has been set when you go to a city game. That's what you're going to get. And it's outstanding. It gets people fired up. It makes people want to go. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not like no one's like chastising you because you want to sit. That's totally cool. But if you're going to go to the stadium, anticipate that there's going to be a lot of energy and you might have to stand to see the game. It's not uh, an indictment on you or the person standing. It's just the way the atmosphere has been created is to stand and enjoy and be energized. And if that's not your thing, maybe don't necessarily go to the game. Uh, maybe they should have a standing section. There are seats for a reason. That's from the 314. We had people texting into TMA this morning saying that the seats actually don't fold down in the supporter section. Yeah, yeah, they're locked. They locked the seats for the... Oh, is that right? I believe that is the case. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they have the seats in the supporter section for insurance reasons or what have you, or if they have a different event there at some point, they might need to use those seats. But for the, for the supporter section, you stand, baby, and I love it. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. We will continue to talk about Saturday night uh, and the debut of the home team playing their first ever game at City Park. I just couldn't get enough of it. I, I, I'm yeah. looking forward to the next time uh, they play at home and uh, they will play in Portland this weekend. And I'm looking forward to watching that. I, I just uh, I had high expectations for it. I've been talking about this, I guess, for a year or two and that I think thought that what would happen would be an enthusiastic, younger fan base and energy that you don't see, for example, at a Cardinal game during the regular season. And that's not chastising a Cardinal game. The whole reason I'm into broadcasting is because my love for the Cardinals. But sometimes the cameras will catch a Cardinal game during the regular season. And it just it, it's just it couldn't be any more silent and dead. And that's just not what we saw on Saturday night. Now, again, I want to reemphasize, I recognize it was the first ever game. If that action and that energy is still there in August, then God bless America. But I think that a standard has been set. And I think that's going to get more and more people fired up to go to games and carry on that atmosphere. Your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. This is Munganess Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you for one hour. Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us coming up later in the program. But right now, it is time for the Little Piddles Wild Weekend Wrap-Up. The wonderful weekend wrap-up, Tim. Ah! Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you got it. Uh, so uh, we, we started out uh, with the dogs, and so I'll continue on that. Uh, woof, woof, the dogs have done it again. From watching on TV, what do you think of the atmosphere at City Park on Saturday? Do you think some young kids who got to witness that are, are now sports fans for life or soccer fans for life just based off that first game? Yes, I do actually think it, it has that kind of impact. I think that's also the case, though, for people who might have gone into it um, and I'm talking about well older than, than children going, eh, I don't know if I'm really that into it. I, I would love to get into soccer or I'm just bored by soccer and then watched that and got into it. Now, 
plenty of people, I'm sure, just like, yeah, I'm just not, this is not my thing. I'm a baseball fan. I'm a hockey fan. I'm a basketball fan. I'm a football fan, whatever. And that's totally cool to each their own. Jackson, I want you to listen to something here. Okay, please. And I, and I hope that th- this does not come off as condescending, but here's what I have to say. Some people like some things mm-hmm. and then some people don't like other things. Think about that wow. for a moment. Poignant. Yeah. So, poignant. so if somebody isn't into it, you know, God bless America to each their own. Uh, live and let live. Right. But I think a number of people went to that on Saturday night, perhaps not expecting to love it as much as they did or watched it on television and were surprised by what they saw. Here's something, and this is intended to be a compliment. It didn't seem like St. Louis. Mm. It was alive. <laughs> it was energetic. It was youthful. Yep. And I think that's a great thing. And uh, and it's something that that St. Louis uh, oftentimes lacks in its representation. Sometimes our best and brightest uh, move to other cities and St. Louis serves as like a quadruple a feeder for Chicago, Dallas and New York and Boston and Denver. And it's a great thing when young St. Louisans have a place to go and gather and support a St. Louis franchise. I think it's a great thing when downtown St. Louis, which justifiably so, by the way, This isn't to go, okay, we had a good night of soccer, so now we're going to forget the problems. But it's a great thing when downtown St. Louis, which justifiably so, has experienced a lot of criticism, um, has a night like that where the region gathers and celebrates. So I think those things are all impactful as well, Jackson. Totally agree. Uh, Next question. Jordan Walker, how do you do? The young man is tearing the cover off the baseball and is making some serious waves around the baseball world. Does his early performance cement your prediction that he will be on the opening day roster? Yeah, I just don't have any doubt about it unless somehow he were to get hurt. He had two home runs on Saturday. Uh, They played at the Nationals ballpark and they were estimating because they don't have the same software that they track at Major League Parks uh, that the the first home run uh, went 480 feet. Oh, my God. 480 feet. He has Ooh. three home runs so far in spring training. He is absolutely raking. And uh, barring um, injury, he is going to be on the field when the Cardinals open up the season against the Blue Jays here in a few weeks. And that's just Put a period on that. I will say this. John Denton of MLB.com was tweeting this morning, Mason Wynn is leading off for the Cardinals against the Astros. They will play at Roger Dean Stadium uh, this afternoon. And Mason Wynn is leading off. And Ali Marmol said uh, Mason Wynn has superseded his expectations offensively so far for the Cardinals. So that has also uh, been incredibly encouraging so along those lines offensively the cardinals are experiencing i don't know if a windfall would be the term i would use because obviously with these you're talking about your two top prospects right but they're superseding expectations yeah the thing that balances that enthusiasm is the understandable concern surrounding the rotation which people had going into spring training and nothing has really been done yet to uh to quell those concerns yeah, yeah, I think that uh, I think you're right on there with the rotation being much more so the bigger question mark than the offense. Jack Flaherty today, Jordan Montgomery pitched yesterday, didn't go really well against the Mets. We'll see what Flaherty does, and also Stephen Matz is scheduled to throw following Flaherty today. 
There we go. All right, next question. M-I-Z-Z-O-U. After a less-than-pretty win against Ole Miss, the Tigers are seeded for a double-bye in the SEC tournament. Is the success of the Tigers in Dennis Gates' debut season one of the more surprising storylines in recent STL sports memory? Is the performance of the 2022-2023 Missouri Tigers one of the more surprising stories in recent memory? Is that, what the, is that yeah. the question? I'm, I'm not mocking it. I wanted to make sure I understood it correctly. No, you got it. Uh, it's certainly surprising. I don't know if I would necessarily put it and in part, and this isn't necessarily a shot at the season. It's just, I think, I, I think if they went on a run to the final four, then it would be in that. Now I, I, I'm on the record and we differ here philosophically on a college basketball regular season. It's importance and rightly or wrongly a team's, place in history is judged by what takes place in 40 minutes in a game in March. For example, and I think you would agree with this. I know I'm going to bring up a sore subject. You know where I'm going. Yeah, no, I hear it. The the, the 2011-2012 Missouri team that lost to Norfolk State, that's the first thing that comes to mind for, I think, most college basketball fans and most Missouri fans. Man, that was an incredible team, and they won their final Big 12 tournament on their way to the SEC, but they lost to Norfolk State. Now, this team will not have those kinds of expectations because I think barring winning the SEC championship, they're going to be a six seed or lower. I think if they win the SEC tournament, they could be a five seed. Uh, maybe if some things really get crazy, somehow a four seed. But I would I would say the ceiling is likely a five. Yeah, that you're not expected to do what that team had as far as expectations in 2012. Point being, college basketball's judgment is reserved for March. And with this team, it's been an incredible regular season relative to expectations, but yet the epitaph is always written in March. Either way, even if it doesn't live up to, say, the Blues' incredibly surprising turnaround uh, starting in January of 2019, the Cardinals run in 2011, the 1999 Rams. Uh, I would say the business success of the 2020 Battlehawks. Uh, those would all be ones that the 2007 and 2013 Missouri football teams. I would I would tell you this: the thing that will have a lasting effect, even if Missouri does not win another game this year, which is certainly possible. I mean, they'll probably play Tennessee on Friday. That's no yeah. guaranteed win. Maybe an underdog. Um, is this, Jackson, that there will now be, assuming Dennis Gates is not going anywhere after this year, there will be a great deal of enthusiasm and buy-in from the fan base that hasn't existed for a number of years because of Dennis Gates and his staff and that team and the game style they play. I think that is that that will be the lasting legacy of this team unless they go on some incredibly surprising run to the Elite Eight or Final Four. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with a lot of your points there, especially uh, the history books are written in March. Because, uh, I mean, that 2011-2012 team was a 30-win basketball team, and the only thing we think about is losing Norfolk to number, yeah, number 15 yeah. seed Norfolk State. Now, what I will say is bringing the energy back to Columbia, bringing the energy back to Missouri Arena, like seven straight sellouts 
that's something that was surprising because, you know, it's been kind of dry over the past few years. So the yeah, you're that, right about that part, man. That that's a that's a credit to the administration and to yeah. the team. Desiree that's, Reed Francois. Uh, that's too. a lot of Desiree Reed Francois and, and the administration what they've done because I think that was an initiative not just with the basketball program but also with the football team as well. No doubt, and it's great to see. Uh, all right, next one. Despite losing on Sunday, the Battle Hawks are about to embark on their first or you know second. Uh, since 2020 home game, do you think the atmosphere and hype around the dogs will actually benefit the Battle Hawks' first home game atmosphere? Huh. I don't think they're related, but I think the Battle Hawks' home atmosphere is going to be incredible. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I and that's the thing. That's the thing about both of these teams. I think the performance on the field will be unrelated to for the most part, the atmosphere in both buildings is an expansion franchise. I don't think people would have been distraught had they lost to Austin in the first game. I, I don't even know how many people are really, really locked into the fact that the Battle Hawks lost to Washington yesterday. They might be more fascinated by the brawl than, <laughs> than the actual loss. Uh, but they're excited to go to the Dome and show the country that this is an incredible sports market and a great football market in addition to uh, just being a great sports market. So I think that will contribute to it. I don't, th- how do you see, I want to ask you, since you asked the question, how sure. do you see the, the atmosphere at the dogs or the dog success impacting the battle Hawks in a positive way? I'm not saying it, I, I just don't see them being related at sure. all, but no. maybe you see it. I don't think it's like necessarily directly correlated, but I think people, big Battlehawks fans, see what they did with City. Love to see that because these are two new, relatively new in case of the Battlehawks, new franchise. We don't have baggage like you do with the Blues or the Cardinals or in the past, the Rams. These are brand new franchises. People want to be in on the ground floor of that. I think they see what happened at City Park on Saturday and say, man, that's the atmosphere that we're looking for at the Battlehawks games. And I think people maybe went to the City game and said, man, we're looking for more of this. The the dogs are out of town next weekend, but the Battlehawks are here. Let's do it all all over again. Let's bring that same energy we had at City Park and bring it to the Dome. Uh, yeah, perhaps that's the case. I think what people saw on Saturday certainly will give them enthusiasm for going to a game where they may not necessarily care about the result. For example, hey, tip of the cap to Blues fans. Mm-hmm. This season is what this season is at this point. And the, the building still has had an incredible atmosphere. I mean, it's been we went to that game. Uh, everybody on TMA went to that game against the Devils. Ryan O'Reilly's last home game, as it, as it turned out, a couple of weeks ago, packed. Uh, they had that Saturday afternoon game against the Penguins packed. And so Blues fans keep showing out. I, I think the whole thing with the, the if, if one really would dispute that St. Louis is a great sports market, then one just doesn't know or understandably not care. I mean, I don't really think of too many. I don't spend time thinking about other cities and whether or not they're good sports markets. Understandably in St. Louis, because of losing two NFL teams, and if you're older, uh, you can recall losing the Hawks, uh, that you go, well, we got this label of being a bad fan base but that just had nothing to do with the caliber of the fan. It just unfortunately happened that the one guy who could privately fund a building in Los Angeles owned this franchise and the lease was written such that he uh, felt quite strongly that he could just pick up and move and it didn't really matter what St. Louis could do. So unfortunately from a St. Louis reputation standpoint, we get attached to something that St. Louis had zero control over. But if you pay attention to whether it be the Cardinals, the Blues, Battle Hawks, now the Dogs, 
the PGA Championship in 2018. There is absolutely no way you can dispute that this is one of the best sports markets in the country, and St. Louis shows out for sports fans uh, and sporting events. All right, we will take a commercial break. We will wrap up the Little Pills Weekend Wrap-Up. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us as well. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, four. Welcome back. This is Munganass presentation of balloon party on 101 ESPN, St. Louis Acura.com and AltonToyota.com. Munganass, St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. JR going to go. Come and join us here in a little bit. Uh, and I want to let the listeners know about this because we are getting close to the NCAA tournament. Show off your NCAA tournament knowledge by signing up to play in this year's 101 ESPN Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge. You can register now to participate at 101ESPN.com. Once the bracket is set, make your picks for this year's tournament. It's free to enter, and the top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 ESPN prize pack. See the contest rules and get sign up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. 101 ESPN's Bracket Madness Pick'em Challenge is brought to you by Bud Light and by Twin Peaks. Jackson, you're getting compliments on your Sports Center update <gasps> once again. A lot of inflection there. Really kind of fun to see you come into your own. Yes. Yes. I've been working on it. I've been working. I'm, I'm kind of like reading too. And I got to move things around. That was a busy, I mean, people can't see me, but that was a busy Sports Center update. I was moving buttons around and toggles and levers. So to be able to still have that inflection, it's really. Uh, you're yeah. excited about yourself. That's fun to see. That's um, fun it's, to see. It's, it's fun to hear. It's fun to see. Yeah. How do you practice your sports center updates? What do you what do you do to, to really craft a nice update? Uh, you know, kind of you lean in really hard during the NBA portion of it. That's always the second half. You really lean into mm. that because that's what people have mm. recency bias. That's the last thing you say. They want to, they are going to hear that the most. So if you're going to miss out on the inflection a little bit, maybe the first half, then pick it up in the second half, and then people will just forget about that first half. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, people really like the inflection. I mean, it is. It's, it's coming exciting. In left and it's coming in left and right. Um, do we have any other? We, we, I, I had to abbreviate the Lil Piddles wonderful weekend wrap up. Um, and I apologize because I know you had, had so much prepared. And then we have uh, Jeremy Rutherford. So I guess we're just going to have to press eject there. Yeah, and then uh, have. JR, uh, join us on the other side of the break. Is that is that is that fair captaining of the ship? Yeah, I think it's rock solid there, Tim. Yeah, there was nothing else in the uh, wonderful weekend wrap up that we needed to get to. I think we covered all the heavy hitters. All right, fair enough. Well, uh, you are welcome to get involved on the show. A lot of people. I'm telling you, man. A lot of people really on board. I, I, I suppose the with with the dogs. I would say this: the one thing that that in all the texts that we were getting in the Air Comfort Service text line while talking about Saturday night. And uh, cities win over Charlotte. People saying it's a shame that I couldn't watch it. I wanted to watch it, or I am interested, but I'm not going to spend the money to uh, to watch it on Apple TV. 
um, from my standpoint, and I understand, I just, now, it's only fair to say this, this is part of my job to watch the Cardinals, to Mm -hmm. watch the Blues, to watch the Dogs, um, you know, to watch the Battle Hawks. That's, that's, That's part of the deal. So I understand that, and I'm sure people would immediately point that out. For me, as a sports fan, even whenever I'm done doing, you know, podcasts and, and sports talk radio, um, I personally am a fan. And, and for example, we don't have the Rams in St. Louis, but I still get the NFL package to uh, to watch the NFL. It's just what I like. And I think what's happening with sports television is the MLS is going to wind up being one of the first to the party with this kind of television package. And uh, we are most likely going to see other leagues, other teams going in this direction. This was not the decision for the record of, of the owners of city. This is just the way that, uh, the, the MLS, uh, set it up with Apple TV. But from my standpoint, I love the options. I love the accessibility. I love the coverage. Taylor Twelman was on the call. Um, so I don't, I don't mind that, but I also recognize that I think, especially based on that, that poll that I put on Twitter, only about 35, maybe 40% of people said they were going to buy the Apple TV MLS season pass, that it's not something that is necessarily sweeping sports viewers just yet. Your thoughts on that are welcome. 314-399-9646. Jeremy Rutherford joins us in the next segment. This is Munganas St. Louis Acura Alton Toyota's balloon party. On 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura here on 101 ESPN. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen, the great Jeremy Rutherford. JR, I understand congratulations are in order for your son's team winning a triple overtime thriller in a uh, significant tournament this weekend. Uh, can you confirm this report that has, uh, has been presented to me? Yeah, thanks, uh, Mr. McKernan. Uh, it was a, a joy to uh, to be in the arena, and they won the Blue Note Cup championship, the uh, Merrimack Sharks A2 team, so a little shout-out to them. And proud moment, a lot of sports events, you and I and others in our industry are uh, in the press box, can't cheer, can't celebrate, uh, but this one I definitely could celebrate. What a blast. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it was triple overtime for real? Yeah, seven seconds left in triple overtime, so they went uh, five on five, four on four, and then down to three on three in the uh, third overtime. And uh, we were going to continue with a fourth overtime if we didn't get the big goal from Nick uh, Henry Silva on our team. And uh, he wins the game, so uh, Blue Note Cup champs. Wow, that's outstanding. And how old uh, were these uh, youngsters? These are uh, 10-year-old lads. They're uh, starting to put a lot of gel in their hair, and they walk with the swagger and definitely uh, had their – chests uh, pumped out when they were walking out of the Centene the other day. So they're starting to uh, blossom into uh, young lads here. Oh, how about that? That had to be super fun, huh? Yeah, it really was. And, you know, I uh, was scheduled to be on the trip and go to San Jose and go to L.A., but once they advanced to, uh, to that championship game, able to 
stay back in St. Louis and, and catch that game and caught a late flight out of St. Louis last night about 10.30, and I'm staying next to Sun Devil Stadium and uh, the Mullet Arena, getting ready to walk in for Blues practice and, and meet some of the new guys. Of course, uh, Kapanen's been a while. I've been around for a few games now, but sounds like Jacob Brana should be at practice today and, and ready to play for the Blues, so we'll get a chance to talk to him today. Doug Armstrong addressing things uh, this past week after the deadline came to a conclusion. Um, what were some of your biggest takeaways from what he had to say with regard to the Blues' mindset uh, going into the third and uh, everything that they wound up doing and where things will go from here? Yeah, we had a story at The Athletic a couple days ago, and they asked us to grade the Blues' trade deadline work. I gave the Blues 9 out of 10. You could almost give them a 10 out of 10, uh, but I think it's uh, tough to be – Perfect, and I think these uh, players that they brought in, one uh, on the waiver wire, I mentioned Kapanen, and then in the trade on, on the, the deadline day uh, with Detroit to get Vrana. These are kind of lottery tickets. We'll see what happens with these guys. They didn't really work out with their previous stops, and, and we'll see. But I think in terms of big picture, making a clear-cut decision, Tim, to sell the assets and go into what Doug Armstrong believes is going to be an extended uh, retool. When I say extended, there were a couple times during the press conference where he said, folks, this is going to be 12, 24 months. We're going to do some experimenting. We're probably not going to be players in free agency. He did mention they got one spot available, and he said we got about $4.2 million. So they'd like to bring in a centerman. It was kind of interesting when he said we got one slot, $4.2 million. I was thinking, is that uh, is he looking into the camera telling Ryan O'Reilly there's, uh, there's our offer <laughs> <laughs> to come back next year? So, so we'll see. But I think the fact uh, that he was clear-cut, decisive, knew what he wanted to do, I think, has fans uh, understanding what the situation is. Yeah, that's, that was my follow-up question is you, you interact with fans, whether it be on social media or you, you get messages sent and co- comments left under your, your columns on The Athletic. After Armstrong spoke and, and laid it out that, hey, this isn't, this isn't going to be a quick turnaround, which I think most people are aware of, but still to hear it from him and hear it be as direct and blunt – uh, what kind of reaction have you received, whether it be with communication with you or, or a reaction that you have seen? I think good. I think real good. Yeah, nothing nothing negative. I think if you look at this situation, if the Blues had a couple years success or they've you know been through this roller coaster two or three times in the last 10 years, then maybe people would look at it and say, here we go again. But that's not the case. I mean, 10 or 12 years of su- sustained success is not really common in pro sports. NHL, except for a few teams, and Doug Armstrong, the Blues, uh, with the uh, blessing of ownership and spending to the cap every year, have been able to do that. But the one thing that Doug said, you asked about things that stick out, he said, whenever you do these long-term deals, eventually you have to pay the piper. Uh, I think a lot of fans, when they did hear that, they kind of said, well, yeah, but you were the one who signed the long-term deals. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I think it was worth, worth the gamble in his eyes at the time to keep everybody together, to stay under that flat cap, try to win it didn't work out now they're paying the piper and i think people are getting excited about what could be had with these three first round draft picks and what this team could look like in a couple years uh jeremy rutherford with us here on balloon party driven by munganass st louis acura and alton toyota one final question for you and i think we touched on this when we were talking uh perhaps on tma last week uh and that is uh doing some kind of uh deep dive as to what took place from the moment they hoisted the cup in Boston to essentially 
uh, closing the chapter on that run with this trade deadline. And if they could go back, what are some moves that they would like to make and what are some moves that they regret? Running parallel to the Blues uh, since 2019 would be their opponent, the team that watched them lift the cup in Boston, and that is the Bruins, who are on an absolute terror. I mean, an absolute terror. And we, we were saying this back in October with Jim Montgomery and what he was doing there, and here we are now uh, entering mid-March. They're in the midst of a 10-game winning streak. They have 103 points. Uh, if if the, the, the second-best team, uh, or excuse me, the best team in the West has 82 points, so that means they'd be 21 points back of them if they were in the East. I know it's 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 not something that you can summarize in 10 seconds, but the Boston Bruins were able to keep it going. Don't get me wrong. They had to part ways with their coach, so it's not like things were going in a great direction there. And the Blues have obviously had their regression. Uh, why are they in the spot they're in, and, and what did they do that the Blues perhaps didn't do? Yeah, definitely something that you can't summarize in a short time. We could spend some more time on this, but just to touch on it, yeah, I've heard that a lot. In the past couple of weeks, just you look at Boston, they lose that Stanley Cup and they're able to kind of keep things going and, and now just uh, running away with uh, the league in terms of standings and a great shot at winning the Stanley Cup. You know, I think uh, you look at that Boston roster, still a lot of good young players that even though they lost the Cup were on their way up. And then uh, Zdeno Chara, he moves on, so kind of their elder statesman, uh, he, he leaves. And then I think with the Blues, it was a little bit of a different situation. I think things could be different here in St. Louis. Had things worked out with Alex Petrangelo, I'm not here to place blame. Somebody can, you know, break that down and, and say uh, who's at fault there. But when you lose an Alex Petrangelo and you try to bring in uh, somebody to play with Colton Preco and it doesn't work out with Scandella, it works out okay with Letty, uh, not great. You bring in Tory Krug as a result of having some money uh, to replace Alex Petrangelo's money. It just hasn't worked on defense, and, and I think when you couple that, with the fact that you had the Vladimir Tarasenko situation. You had, what do you do with David Prahn? Do you re-sign him to a multi-year term? There were just some bigger questions, I think, here in St. Louis and some decisions made that you know, maybe you don't make them again. And then in Boston, you talk about uh, getting a new coach in there. I think he's done wonders uh, with that team. He's gotten the best out of their young players. Young players who thought were going to be on the way out under the previous coach performing really well. So, uh, it is a fair question when you look at the two teams and where they've gone since 2019. And I think the Blues deservedly are here where they're at, and I think Boston deservedly is where they're at. There it is, 103 points in the midst of a 10-game winning streak, the Boston Bruins, Blues, and Arizona coming up. JR with us every Monday here on Balloon Party. JR, appreciate the time, sir. Thanks so much. Talk to you later, Tim. Thanks. Thanks, sir. All right, take it easy, man. Time for us to shut it down. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Munganass St. Louis Acura's Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.